Welcome to YourLifeRocks.com podcast, where you can build a life of balance, purpose, and success. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, working Christian mom, speaker, and coach. Each week, you will find tips and inspiration to grow personally, in your career, and in your faith, and balance it all in your crazy, busy, beautiful life. If you want to cut the overwhelm and take control over your life, visit YourLifeRocks.com. Hey there, how are you? I am so glad that you're here to hang out with us today. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, and I am the host of the Your Life Rocks podcast, and this podcast is for working Christian moms. We're all about helping you find more balance in your life, clear away all of that chaos, and truly move closer to your goals in all eight areas of life that we talk about. And today, we are going to be talking about marriage. We have Kimberly Walton here with us to share some really great tips on helping us get to know both ourselves and our husbands. Because once we know ourselves and our husbands better, then it just helps tackle problems and reach for goals together a whole lot easier. Now I'm going to introduce Kimberly to you in just a minute, but she is our new lifestyle expert at Your Life Rocks for the category of marriage. So you're going to see her really active within our free Facebook community called Your Life Rocks Community on Facebook. Imagine that, so creative. You'll also hear her more often on these podcasts, but her greatest content will be available with inside our membership called Life Balance by Your Life Rocks. Now, before we get into the interview with Kimberly, I just want to say like this woman's heart, I love it. I love her heart for really helping women um, understand their role in marriage and to be the best that they can as wives, as women in general, and to really empower all of us to really seek God in everything that we do. I know that you're going to love her just as much as I do, so I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get right into the interview with Kimberly Walton. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show with you. Her name is Kimberly Walton. She's a marriage mentor, a blogger, a speaker who helps Christian women create wildly successful marriages through retreats, workshops, and one-on-one sessions. Pretty great, right? As a founder of Cherished Women International, Kimberly teaches women to strengthen their marriage through what she calls the in-love approach. Invest, nurture, learn, offer, value, and embrace. She believes that marital success comes from creating an environment where couples can be emotionally vulnerable and honest while also being mindful of self-care and the uniqueness that each brings to the relationship. Her approach is solution-focused and embraces humor, tenderness, transparency, and Christian values. Her training spans a wide range of formal and personal education, professional and personal experience, and cultural studies while she teaches very practical how-tos, which I know we can all appreciate and love. Kimberly lives the life of a cherished woman, married to the love of her life, and living in beautiful California. And I am so excited to introduce Kimberly to you all today because she is our lifestyle expert for Your Life Rocks in marriage. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Jenny. I am happy to be here, and thank you for having me. I'm just thrilled to be here. Oh, we're so excited to learn from you. I know marriage is something that um, I think we all really struggle with, especially as as working women, working Christian women. There's so many um, messages out there that are very worldly, and just trying to balance it all is tough. But really, being that woman who's honoring her husband is really, really tough. So I'm so excited to have you 
part of the Your Life Rocks family, participating in our Facebook group, being our expert on these podcasts, and really sharing your knowledge within our membership group as well. Well, and it's a treat for me to be able to be a partner with Your Life Rocks. And uh, I just want to say a real quick note here. Thank you for mentioning messaging because there's so many conflicting messages. And it's, it's a treat for me to be able to share with Your Life Rocks and the family and the community and really just maybe put some new messages into the mix that we can, as Christian women, we can subscribe to. I love it. I love it. And we'll have Kimberly back on repeated episodes to really dive into a lot of different topics. But today, specifically, because it's the beginning of a new year, it's really that opportunity, not only as we're setting goals, but to really set a strong foundation for who we are as women and how we want to craft our lives as we move forward and especially into this new year. And one of the things that I think is really, really important as we're kind of setting that foundation for ourselves, especially as wives, is really knowing our mate and kind of knowing where we're starting from. And so I know you're going to be talking to us a little bit about how we can do that. I, I actually, I totally am. It's one of the main principles of the cherished woman work that I do where if we learn about our mate as well as learn about ourselves, oftentimes some of the conflicts that we have can be eliminated or at least reduced. So I am thrilled to talk about these things about learning about yourself and learning about your mate. I love it. So as we start kind of springboard into this conversation, I love that you said learning about ourselves and learning about our mate. What kind of advice would you have for women who, you know, as they're starting out this new year might be thinking, I really just want to show up as a better wife, but they're not quite too sure what that would look like or really what those first steps are. Well, I think that one of the things that's important to do at first is really to stop and think about what kind of marriage do you want? What kind of marriage has God put on your heart? Because there are a lot of messages out there about women are supposed to this and women are supposed to that. And it seems like a lot of, especially the media, a lot of it takes us away from um, maybe treating our mate with respect and trust and, and some of those things that build a strong relationship. So the first thing I usually ask like my clients is, what kind of marriage do you really want? What are the ingredients that you, you would put in there? How do you want it to look? And you know what's interesting is most of the time when I ask women, they're like, I've never thought about that. So with the new year, stop and think about that. What's your new vision for how do you want your marriage to be? How do you want other people to see your marriage? How do you want to feel in your marriage? Because that's going to guide a lot of what you, the actions you take and the thoughts you think, just having that vision for what you want for a marriage. So that'd be my first place to start. I love that. And I am sure, you know, as we're talking about really getting to know your maid and, and knowing um, really what their intentions are too and what they want out of their marriage and what, what your spouse would like to see your marriage grow in for the new year as well. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that's interesting is so often we, we look at a marriage as almost one-sided. What's my responsibility? What am I supposed to do? And we forget to ask our mate, what's your vision for the marriage? What is it that I can do for you so that I'm helping to meet your needs? And, um, and we don't, we, 
usually we're not taught to do that as a young age or even as we start to mature. Nobody says, ask your mate what their vision is. And um, I worked with a couple of uh, people that are not married yet. They're getting married. And I always say, ask your mate, what's your vision of marriage? And have them and you tell them. And we don't always ask our mate. So that's another part of this, asking them what their vision is, as well as you sharing your vision for what a good marriage is. Mm, I love it. And I know that this bridges perfectly into so much of what you really teach about when you're helping people, whether it be one-on-one or through some of your programs that you do, um, is really kind of getting that outsider perspective from your husband on what it is that they want, but then also just the understanding those differences that they have and how they approach life or their goals in general. Absolutely. You know, we're, God made us all unique. We have different abilities. We have different um, talents. We have different callings in our heart. And so one of the things that's a challenge is we see everything through our own filter, our own lens, and our mates are different. And because they're different, sometimes we will say, well, that's maybe wrong, or sometimes it's scary, or sometimes we don't know how to navigate those waters. And Everybody wants greater intimacy and everybody wants more harmony in their marriage, but we forget that so much of what we do is filtered through our natural tendencies and our dominant tendencies. So that's one of the first places I start with people. What's natural and unique about you? What's natural and unique about your mate? Because God did make us all different and we're gonna, we want to flow with that. And we want to actually use it to strengthen our marriages. I love this topic so much. And I think it's one of those things that like we, we forget, right? There's those things in life that we, we know, but we don't really know, you know, yeah. like when someone says, it's like, oh yeah, duh, of course my husband is different than I am. And his perspective on life is going to be different than what I view. But then it comes to applying it, which is a whole different ball game. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to really put it into action. So how would Absolutely. you guide someone who like they get it? And maybe, you know, as they're setting goals for the, this new year in all areas of their life and a vision for what they want to create, like, how would, how would you recommend them starting that conversation to really go about getting that other person's perspective? Well, usually before I even start a conversation, what I do is I encourage people to say this, the fact that you're different, it, it can be funny. We can laugh at it. Because sometimes when my husband and I do something different and it's like, oh, that's your tendency, that's mine. We laugh at it. We make it a funny thing rather than a judgment. And so that's the first thing is I try to get the mindset around it to be that this is a blessing. And at the same time, it can be humorous and you can banter about it and you can go, oh, you're going visual on me. I got it. I got it. Or I'm like, I can't hear you because I'm very auditory. So that's the first thing. Then the next thing is I say start small. Start with one of the small things that are unique, some of the overarching areas that um, people look at. Because I've got like 10 different areas I look at with women where I say, okay, we're going to look at this. How's your husband different? How are you different? And then we're going to look at this area. How are you different? How is he different? And so... um, that's, that's kind of the first thing I look at. And then, so the, the number one area I start with, that's usually the easiest for people to follow along with and, and recognize is understanding if people are a global learner or a linear learner. Now, sometimes when people are teachers are like, oh yeah, I know this, but yet they don't apply it to their marriage. So the difference between a global and a linear learner is, is can be huge at times in marriages. So for example, somebody who's very global, they tend to, they need to see the big picture in life. They tend to learn things and, and kind of jumps and starts. 
um, when you go to explain things to them, they have to have the picture of what we're trying to create before you start giving them steps. They don't do steps well if they don't understand what we're doing. Um, they need to understand concepts and sometimes they're better at banter bantering and brainstorming because of that. Now, if you compare that to somebody who's more linear, sometimes people call it analytical, but I like linear because it's more of a step-by-step -step approach. Um, they need things in lists and series and they like things like facts. And so one of the examples I love to share is think about how those two people, if one, one person in the marriage is global, one is linear, how planning a family vacation can go. Think about how weird that can go down because the person who's linear is like, I want to have it all planned out. I'm going to map how much here. Here's where we're going to get gas to the extreme at times, but they, they want to know where they're staying. They're not going to make reservations. The person who's more global might be like, I'm okay winging part of this. And that can create conflict because the one person needs, I need plans. I need steps by steps. And so in that situation, I say, let the planner person plan, let the linear person plan it. And you know what? Don't tell the person who likes the global. Just tell them where you're going and let them feel like you're winging it. And they're like, oh my gosh. Because one of them is going to need more of that certainty. Or even think about a grocery list. The global person is going to want to know what you're making. When you give them a list and say, hey, get me these five things, they're going to feel more comfortable and confident if they know, oh, we're making lasagna. The person who's linear, like, I just need the list. And ideally, if it's in the list of the store, I'm happy. Right, so even those things can make a difference um, for how we how we maybe might have some conflict or how things are filtered through what um, how we communicate with our mate. I love that so much, and I was thinking like when you first said you know global versus linear learners, and you know when you said a few minutes ago it could be a blessing and finding humor in it. And so when you said that, the very first thing I thought of, I was like, that is just perfect because one can plan and the other one can kind of have a vision for what it is that they're planning. But you're right, it can cause conflict if the mindset is not necessarily where it needs to be or we can so quickly just jump right into um, our, our roles, right? And just, mm -hmm. we get so busy. Sometimes we forget to have that right mindset so we can just jump right into more of like a judgment versus, you know, really seeing it as a blessing to have that uniqueness. Right. And it's easy for us to judge if we're uncomfortable because that's, that's trying to give us some of that, that certainty that we might want. But if we recognize your mate is not trying to do any harm, they're not trying to stress you out. That's just their natural tendency that they've, they've had all their life most likely. And then you can start going, oh, and then you say, oh, honey, I want to honor the fact that you want to plan. And the other person says, I want to honor that you want to wing it. You, I mean, those are somewhat extremes, but then you go, oh, I get it. And you can actually make it a fun thing. You can actually plan around it and make it part of your marriage. So, oh, they're the planner. You got to talk to that one. You know, sometimes I have people who will say, um, well, I'm, my husband's the planner. I said, then let him do the planning. If somebody's trying to plan a party and they say, can you guys come say, talk to my husband? They're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, work, work these out to be strengths in your marriage. Mm, I love that. And one of the things that you said, I wrote it down actually, because I think it's just so brilliant, is it's easy to judge when we're uncomfortable. And I think that that's really where that intimacy really comes into play into a marriage. It's not something that's a quick and easy fix. It's something that really takes over time to have that intimacy. So you have that comfort level. So the judging is not there. Yeah. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis is, does my mate have my best interest at heart? 
And if they do not, then there's a whole different conversation that needs to be had. But if they do, let that be the filter that you put everything through. If my mate has my best interest at heart, then I'm less judgmental, I'm less scared. Then it's more easier for me to be vulnerable and authentic and to communicate. Like, oh honey, I really don't wanna do that. Oh, okay. But if we don't feel like they have their best interest at heart, then again, that's a different conversation. Right. Oh, that's so good. All right. So I love this whole idea of global versus linear, uh, linear <laughs> approaches to life. I can totally see how that can work out. Even in my own marriage, my husband is very linear. I'm very global. <laughs> so I'm already kind of starting to see like, even when, like you mentioned the, the example of the grocery list, when I give him a grocery list, I'm like, just these are the things that I need. And he's like, I need to know what brand, what size, like he really wants to know because that's for him how he is going to kind of measure his success where mm -hmm. he gives me a list. I'm like, well, like you said, what are we making exactly? So I know, do I want the extra garlic sauce or do I want like more of a Parmesan sauce? Like I need yeah. to know these things. And if they don't have the item, then I can, I can maybe get something that's going to be comparable if I know what we're making. Exactly. Yes. 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 I can fix this if I know what I'm making and they say, oh, well, they don't have this kind of noodle, but I can get this other kind of noodle because that'll still work because we've done that before or something like that. So yes. Oh, that's so good. All right. So number one was the global or linear approach to life. What would be step number two? Number two would be understanding your response modes. Sometimes people call them reactions, but I like to think of them as response because I partly want to set people up to think of things as responding rather than just reacting. But you know, when we have anything happen in our life, whether it's small or large, we can either react to it by using our mental, our physical, or our emotions. And so understanding what our response modes, the hierarchy of what we use, because not everybody thinks first, not everybody emotes first. And so what we have is, the example I, I like to use with my clients is I'll say, Let's say that you're sitting in your doctor's office and they've been doing a whole battery of tests. You know that what he's gonna tell you is not gonna be good news. And he says, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have um, a very serious illness. And when your doctor says that, what is your very first response? Do you, do you demand that there is some sort of action taking that says, I want second, second opinion, a third opinion, we need to do more tests? Or do you maybe break down and cry? Do you feel first? Or do you think about it like, huh, he said serious. Okay, he didn't say terminal, that's good. He didn't use the C word. Okay, that's good. I mean, what do you do? Do you think first? Do you act first? Do you feel first? And understanding which one you do first, second, and third is really helpful. And it's also helpful to know if you get stuck in one of those. And, um, a lot of times we don't, but what'll happen is that you have a similar scenario coming up. Maybe it's children not doing well at school and one parent's more of a thinker and one person's more of an action person. The thinker's gonna sit down and go, okay, is there anything going on in their life that made them not do well lately? They're gonna think it all through. The action person's gonna set up a plan. Okay, now every day after school between three and five, you have homework. The emotion person's gonna maybe take it in a little more and go, oh, I feel like a bad parent. And so, we can be at different levels, especially with parenting or in a marriage, when something comes up. And knowing that maybe it's just that you're not at the same response um, level can be really, really helpful. And um, 
so it, and for example, I always tell people too, think about this. If you, let's say on the way home from your doctor's office, you got in a car accident and there's an EMT, he comes and helps you. Do you want the EMT that's helping you? Do you want them to think first, act first, or feel first? And people say, oh, I want them to go into action. I'm like, no, actually you don't. You want them to think first, but you want them to be so quick with what they think that then they go into action after thought. But if somebody is like a counselor or a therapist, you probably don't want them to be a thinker first because you kind of want them to, to, to feel what you're saying first. You want them to do that. And then you want them to think, and then they can assign some sort of action. Well, our mates are the same way. They have a hierarchy that they run through. And usually we loop through it a couple times. And then sometimes, again, we have ones we get stuck on. We've all have friends or maybe a mate who's like, oh, they think things to death. Oh my gosh, they just think things to death or they're just emotional first. And so knowing if you get stuck and knowing what your hierarchy is huge to understanding sometimes where there's some incongruencies. Mm, that is so powerful. And you're right. Like I can think of so many friends that either get really stuck in the emotion or really stuck in the thinking, or I even have some friends that act before they even think we're emotes. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Um, yeah. I, so I love kind of that of being able to recognize that, that response mode. Mm -hmm. So, and it's one thing to be able to recognize that in ourselves and then to be able to kind of course correct. But how would you recommend, like if I, rec like if I recognize um, just for me, like say it was like thinking, like I can just get stuck in the thinking mode and not necessarily move through the action. Or maybe I move from thinking to emotion and then not necessarily in the action. How do you break through through something that you get stuck in? Well, I think there's two approaches. One is you self-manage it or two is you get help. Now, because we're talking about marriages, if I'm thinking things, because I'm a, I'm a thinker at times, I'll think and think and think and I'll look at all the different parts. I will actually have to say, okay, you've thought about this enough until you take action, you're not going to have enough information to know how to course correct. So I can, I can self-manage. If I am thinking too much on things or I think I'm concerned I'm going to, I give myself a time limit. Okay, Kimberly, you're allowed to think about this for until tomorrow morning, then you have to take action. Then you can think about it again. But pulling in our mate to help us can be huge. If I'm thinking too much on something, my husband will usually come up and just gently chat, touch me and say, honey, we need to move to the next one. We need to, we need to either feel this or we need to act on this. What do you need to do? Like, okay. Okay. Because Sometimes they'll recognize it and we don't even recognize it. Or if my husband is taking action and I'm like, well, maybe we need to stop and, and see how we really feel about this. What, what do, what's really the emotion driving the action? Because sometimes the action we're taking is driven by an emotion, but the problem is, is it's not actually going to resolve whatever that, that, um, that gnawing thing in, inside is going on. And so sometimes we, we have to ask for help. The other thing is if you know you are stuck in one of these, sometimes you can actually get help from outside sources. And what I mean is if you are somebody who can't, like I have a friend who can't cook anything unless her kitchen is completely clean. I'm like maybe you need to have somebody come in and help you clean sometimes. And she's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I give you permission. I give you permission to do that so that you can move on to your next response. So 
getting support from your mate, maybe thinking outside of the box, getting support from other places, but, but giving yourself time limits and learning how to recognize it, those are all going to be very valuable. I love it. And kind of going back to what you said very early on, which is bringing humor into the mm -hmm. mix of it. I can totally see sitting down with my husband today and being like, okay, let's talk about response mode. Like, what do you think that I kind of go to first emotion thinking and just kind of make a joke out of it with him and kind of approach it in that way so that I can also get him thinking about it. And then maybe together we can kind of, once it's out there and it's addressed, then we might be able to like come up with a plan that we can support each other as we kind of walk it out. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of humor. My husband and I banter a lot. We will say things like, oh, honey, you're stuck in emotion right now. Oh, honey, what do you do? And I, I have actually physically um, had him grab my hand and take me to a different room and say, okay, we're going to a different response mode right now. I'm like, thank you, honey, because I was thinking something to death. And he's like, because sometimes just changing your, your, your position where you're sitting or changing the room you're in or uh, walking or something like that can get you to move from the one level to the other level. Oh, that's so true. That's so good. I love it. All right. So number one was the global versus linear approach to life. Number two is response modes. So what is number three? Number three is understanding your modes of perception. And this is based on the five senses where you have your sight and your sound and your taste and touch and smell. And usually this is broken down into just auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. And again, this is one of those things that if somebody's a teacher, they're, they're somewhat familiar with it, but a lot of times we don't apply it to our home life and our family. So what we have is the idea that people tend to be either auditory, visual, or kinesthetic. Auditory has to do with sounds and how they relate to the sounds, and they filter a lot of things through sounds. Visual, pretty obvious, but it's, it's how you relate to the world, typically more visually. And the kinesthetic takes in more of touch and feel, and also some of the, the smell. And so I think this is very valuable as well, because like, for example, I'm very auditory. So I will talk to myself, or I will have sound sometimes in the background if I'm doing things, because it serves as white noise. And I'm a big fan of, of like brainstorming, or I will, I will say questions out loud. And sometimes my husband will be like, hey, are you talking to me? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. And he's like, okay. And so he can be like, hey, are you talking to me? I'm like, no, I'm still talking to myself. Hey, you talking to me? No, I'm still talking to myself, you know? And so he's not always sure when to clue in because I'm having a little conversation with myself. Um, and I'll, I'll just have fun with him. I'll go, oh, honey, I'm in auditory mode. He's like, okay, let me know if you need me. Um, visually, if people are more visual, then they like things like graphs and charts. They like to envision goals. And I find sometimes that if you have a very visual mate, that some of the, the hypersensitivities, and that's not a judgment, it's just, it's just the way that it is at times, is that if there's clutter or there's too much visual stuff on the walls, that can overstimulate them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't like this room because this is the everything room and everything's thrown in it and they just need to shut the door. Or it'll be a pet peeve because they're like, can we please clean up some of these things? Because visually they're overstimulated. Um, somebody who's more kinesthetic, they, they can be more hypersensitive to like, oh my gosh, the trash needs to be taken out because it just smells so bad. And everybody else is like, I don't even smell it. Well, they're more sensitive to that. And it's not that they're wrong and it's not that they're right. It's just a sensitivity that we want to honor about our mates. And it's, it's something that 
I think needs to be honored when we're applying it to any sort of difficult conversations because every marriage has difficult conversations and how we can best set our mate up to succeed. So for example, if you have a difficult conversation coming up with a mate and you know that they're primarily kinesthetic, then maybe what you do is you um, make sure that you sit in a position where they're, uh, you know, it's like their favorite chair, they're gonna be most comfortable. Maybe they need to have a cup of tea while they're doing it. And maybe you wanna light a candle that's like their favorite candle. Because now physically they're totally comfortable, they're in their body and they're gonna be able to listen and really understand better because they're physically comfortable. Somebody who's more visual is you need to maybe be somewhere there's not gonna be a lot of visual distraction. Maybe the phone has to be put somewhere so it's not there just kind of calling you. Same thing with an auditory person. Make sure there's no sound going on if you're having a difficult conversation. If you're gonna have a difficult conversation with somebody who's kinesthetic, maybe you go for a walk while you have the talk. And a lot of times we don't do that. We go through what's natural for us. We go, okay, I just need you to listen. I can be upstairs in my house having a conversation with my kids and my husband's like, no, I kind of need to see you when I'm talking to you. And I'm like, I just need to hear you. I don't need to see you. And so I try to honor that. I will come downstairs to have a conversation with him because he wants to see me. He'll see my body language. He'll see my hand movements and go, okay, I can see where we're at. She's okay. Or, you know, cause tone can be weird. So those things are very valuable also to look at, um, when you're having difficult conversations or may, maybe why somebody is going to seem more sensitive or hypersensitive to, to something than you. I so love this. I thank you so much. Like, I feel like you are equipping us all, everyone who's listening to this so much for how we can really show up and respect and serve our husbands as we begin this new year to build towards our goals that we have in our relationship. Because, you know, so much it's like, the response, like you said early on, like it feels like we're so one-sided and, and trying to do the best that we can in our marriage. But really, this is almost like being very proactive and setting us up for success in a way um, and really setting our, our spouse up for success and just the way that we're communicating with them and the way that we're treating them and everything that we do. Absolutely. And I love being proactive. So many of the things that go awry in relationships is simply because we didn't understand something or we didn't hit it off at the pass. I would so rather head it off at the pass than be in the middle of some mucky thing. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, if anyone's listened to any of my podcast episodes or you're in the Facebook group, you know, I'm a huge proponent on preparation, being prepared, being proactive about the things that are going to be coming your way. I really, truly believe that that is one of the keys to having success in any area of your life. And everything that you've shared with us on this episode has been perfect in setting us up for success in our marriage. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share it. And I hope that, um, you know, again, we can find some humor in it as people are like, oh my gosh, that's so true. That's why I did this or that. So I, I am so thankful for the opportunity to share this information. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly. Now, before we say goodbye, I do have to ask you, for a Bible verse. You know, it's something that we do every single episode, um, really just bringing the word of God into our life, into our everyday being. And so what word do you have for us? Um, I really, really like Ephesians 4, uh, 2 and 3. And so 
basically what it says is always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, making every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. And it really speaks to me. Oh my gosh, I could not think of a better verse for everything that we've talked about <laughs> on this episode. And that's one thing I love about Kimberly, you guys, is that she is so biblically based. Like everything that she teaches really is setting you up for being obedient to God and his word in the smallest little ways, even preparing us for success in our marriage. So Kimberly, I am so excited to have you as our lifestyle expert for marriage at Your Life Rocks. And thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, again, I'm just thrilled to be partnering with Your Life Rocks and um, it's a treat to be here. And so I look forward to future podcasts and connecting with everybody on the uh, Facebook community group and even in the private group. Now, if people want to learn more about you, and obviously they can find you in our Facebook group um, and everything within Your Life Rocks, but if they want to learn more about you before they even head over there, where can they learn more about you? Probably the best place to start would be at my website. I've got articles and things like that there that are um, of value as well. So cherishedwoman.com. So just spell out cherished and woman. There's no hyphens or blanks or anything like that. So cherishedwoman.com. And then if you want to join me in Facebook, then there is a, a, an area off to the right-hand side. You can find my Facebook group as well. And we have little graphics and memes and sayings and quotes and um, articles and things like that as well. So, but I would start at the website, cherishedwoman.com. Beautiful. We'll make sure that we link to that on the show notes. And thanks so much for coming on. It was great having you. Well, thank you. I look forward to connecting with everybody more in the future. See, I told you you would love Kimberly and everything that she has to share. And of course, you can get all of the details of everything that she talked about in this episode, as well as our free Facebook community, and learn more about Life Balance, our membership, by going to yourliferocks.com. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about setting you up for success for the new year with your career. So I will be sharing some tips with you on some things that you can do to really up your productivity level and zone in your focus. So make sure you hit subscribe so you do not miss that episode. And if you love the Your Life Rocks podcast, share it with a friend. Most apps that you listen to in the podcast has a share feature. So you can share via text, via email, or on social media. It's so appreciated and truly, we want to be able to impact more working Christian moms just like you and just like me. So until next time, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.